This is Make Yourself at Home, a podcast from BizNow where we hear from people in the real estate industry about the impact of the pandemic and how it's being felt in their business. My name's Miriam Hall. I'm BizNow's New York reporter. Today, our guest is a well-known figure on the New York City real estate and development scene. We're speaking to Pamela Liebman, the president and CEO of Corcoran Group. She's led the company for 20 years and she's been a broker in the city since the 1980s. Corcoran also owns rental brokerage City Habitats and its new development marketing arm, Corcoran Sunshine, is in charge of selling big name developments like 30 Park Place, Waterline Square and 70 Vestry. It's also selling related Hudson Yards residential offerings, where a penthouse in 35 Hudson Yards is on the market right now for $59 million. At the moment, Pam's working from Miami, taking lots of her calls while on long walks. She's unsurprisingly optimistic about New York City and says the luxury residential market had already seen a massive correction. And yes, while some people will be getting deals, she doesn't see prices plunging just yet. After 9-11, people said the same thing. Who really wants to be in New York City anymore? So I think that's always the reaction when something unforeseen happens. But New York, to me, is the capital of the world. And some people view this as an opportunity to take advantage of potentially more attractive pricing, lower interest rates. And, you know, I, I don't think New York goes away. I think for the moment, people who wanted to get out of New York, if they were fortunate enough to have that house in the country or at the beach or in the, you know, in the Hamptons, wherever they were going, they took that opportunity to get out. Are 100% of the people going to come back? No, because maybe some people realized, hey, you know what? I like living in a house. I like being in this um, more suburban environment or this second home market as a first home. But the majority of people who have chosen to make New York City their home did it for a reason. And we expect that they will come back. And Many of the deals that we've done during this period have been to people who, you know, never thought twice about, I'm not going to come to New York. So clearly the business is way off, but the good news is there's been transactions. It hasn't been at a standstill. And I think that's what people were afraid of. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask. I mean, there's no way that people could be buying at the same rate that they were buying before. Do you have an estimate of how much businesses yeah. dropped down? Well, the New York City market is down considerably. You know, you're probably down number of transactions for the month of um, since since let's say March 13th till now. It's probably down close to 70 percent. In terms of a price, how much would you say prices are down? Buyers must be expecting a discount on on a purchase in New York City right now. So that's a great question. So, how much are prices down? It depends who you ask. If you ask the buyer they'll say one thing and if you're as a seller they might say another so this is the disconnect where we're dealing with today because buyers are being very aggressive they're coming in bidding anywhere from 10 to as high as 30 percent below the ask claiming that this is what they're calling a covid discount and sellers are saying pricing was already down and it's certainly not down another you know 20 30 percent or even maybe 10 percent so I can't give you the exact amounts yet other than to say the discounts we're seeing are more significant on the upper, in the upper end of the market than the lower end. They are not as great as people think they are, but until we have more transactions to track the trends, I can't really give you um, a great number. You know, we've seen like right now, 
we've seen it somewhere around six to seven percent. But I need more transactions to really give you a uh, a, a long term number. And right now we're fighting a lot with the buyers and sellers to to get them to agree. So you're thinking about seven percent prices down since the March twelfth, March thirteenth, kind of when this all kicked off, but it depends on every segment of the market. At the upper end, contracts have essentially dried up. I think there was only one on a, an apartment in Manhattan asking more than $4 million in the last week, and that really hasn't happened since 2009. So what does that tell you? It tells us that's where we have the largest um, chasm between buyers and sellers. There were actually more over $4 million than that. Those are what was reported. So on the, in the new developments, we don't always report all the deals. So there was two more deals that were done, but still not enough. I mean, far from enough. And that's why it's hard for me to answer your question about what's the true discount. We need to get, we need to get the transactions going. This morning, I was trying to help two of my agents um, with a seller um, where we're about $250,000 apart on a $10 million deal. And the seller is just... Um, very unhappy with the negotiation and the buyer is saying hey how many deals are trading at 10 million now i've got all the power so either take my deal or i'll just wait and when the buyers feel that they can wait it's very difficult for the sellers so the brokers really have to do a good job of encouraging the buyers to you know pay a fair price and convince them of what a fair price is um, what, what's quite annoying right now is people that are running around putting offers in on multiple apartments at 30% below ask. And unless the property is wildly overpriced, there's no reason that anyone's giving 30% discounts. You talked a lot about 9-11 and the similarities there and the way that the city bounced back. But prices did come down for residential properties, like almost 30%. Is that going to happen this time around, do you think? The reason I don't think it will, I'm pretty sure it won't, is that we had already just gone through this pretty big price correction. If we had started from the high, yes, we would have had a very deep drop in prices, but we've already seen prices, and if you, you, know, you could look at all the reports that we all put out, but we had already seen a degradation, a degradation in the, in the, um, in the pricing, particularly on the high end of, uh, of the market. So you can't say that, prices are going to take another huge drop. Um, they will, they will have to be more negotiable for sure, but I don't believe it's not come. I don't believe it's coming down another 30%, not even close. So the luxury market was in a really challenging position coming into 2020. There was a lot of supply, regulations, taxes, and fewer cash buyers around suggesting more restraint. So buyers already very much calling the shots. The developers must be freaking out right now. It depends which ones you're talking to. <laughs> I mean, these are some cool characters that we have in the development uh, arena. Just by nature, they're risk takers, and they're very, um, you know, they're very hardened to uh, to different markets. So unless they have debt breathing down their neck, which eventually may happen to some of them. They don't just turn around and say, fine, give it away. I just need to move it off my plate. Every sing single situation is different. But I wholeheartedly agree with what you said. We were already fighting a battle in the luxury market. So prices had already come down. 
And I think that's part of the issue here. The prices are already down. So how much further do buyers really expect them to go? And some of these developers, when they bought the land and when they built the products, you know, they don't really want to sell them for less than what their, uh, what their costs are. It's very hard to get someone to do that. So developers are eternal optimists, and many of them think things will just get better. I've had many people say to me in the past few weeks, I'll just wait, I'll just wait, I'll just wait, I'll just wait. I should just have that like as a little button on my desk. I'll just wait. Um, but nobody knows that waiting is going to work out well. Um, the indicators are not that prices seem to be uh, in a hurry to, to trade upward. Um, but the only way you know the market's bottomed is when you see prices starting to go up. You know, there's a little thing we always talk about, the four cycles of real estate that have to do with the amount of transactions, right? So the volume of transactions and the price. And as the volume starts to go down and the price is remaining at a certain spot, often to get that volume to move back up, the prices do have to adjust downward. It's, you know, basic economics. There can't be that many developers around, though, that that don't have lenders breathing well, down their necks. They don't always. They don't like to admit it. <laughs> I mean, there no. There are some that don't, and there are some that that do. I mean, not just because someone might be asking, and I'm just making this up. But just because someone's asking four thousand dollars a foot, it doesn't mean that if they traded below that, that they wouldn't still be in a perfectly fine position. What what's their you know, price that they will sell at, transact at, and they're still fine. Because when you start to for force them to go below the number where they're actually coming out doing, doing well, that's a very, very hard deal to make. There has to be more reason than, you know, there has to be a lot of pressure on them to do that. Are there any developments around the city that you think would be in trouble right now? Can you name names? Nope. <laughs> I think, look, I think there's some that people have been talking about for a long time that will have to take some real price cuts to get things done. And I think others are still moving and doing well and developers are smart. They built it right, they bought it right, and they're going to make deals. If we've been reading about projects that have had very few sales and that everybody talks about how overpriced they are and you start hearing about... Um, uh, you know, behind the scenes, them starting to offer crazy deals or even publicly, you know, come out and put these crazy incentives on the, on the buildings, those are the ones that you want to watch. So the ones that are in trouble are the ones that were already in trouble and now they're just in deeper trouble? I would say, I would say so. And hopefully people that weren't in trouble and had a decent pace of sales, but now they've really slowed down, won't end up in trouble. But I think, the, I think a lot of these lenders will be patient because why do they want to take over these buildings and be responsible and then still have to mark to market or write them down? Uh, it doesn't, it, it makes sense a lot of these times to just leave it with the developer and cut the developer some slack and allow them to maybe renegotiate a little bit. I don't think banks want to come in and take over all these developments. There's a lot of them. Um, one, one bit of good news, though, I would say, is that the pipeline for new projects coming out of the ground is nowhere near what uh, things have been in the past. So I think that we'll have a chance, you know, during the next year, two years, three years, to work through this cycle, get this product absorbed, not all of it, because there's too much 
product that's too expensive. And when I say too expensive, both overpriced and just priced very high. Um, so those could linger for a very long time. When you look at the um, absorption rates, we have definite absorption issues on the high end of the market. That is not a secret. Um, the lower price property, I think, will move fine, and I, I'm not worried about it at all. But it, when you have a lot of product that's priced at you know, 25 million and above, we've really got to get the buyers back, uh, back to the table. And one of the things that really concerns me and everybody else in my position or in this, in this field is what's going to happen politically in the city and state. There is so much, uh, so much uh, that we're seeing in terms of budget shortfalls that do they look to make some of this up by hammering the real estate market even more? Higher transfer taxes, a potential pied-a-terre tax. These are things that will really backfire and that will really chill the market. Like we cannot handle any more, um, any more costs being uh, thrown on someone trying to make a real estate deal. You're selling Hudson Yards and the, the luxury development there. It must be a really difficult time to be selling the New York City dream. I mean, your pitch can't be, oh, people will forget. What is your pitch right now? Well, by the way, I think it takes a lot more than as, as crazy and as serious and frightening and you know deadly as this disease has been. Um, and we've all know people with it and I've lost a couple of you know people that I was close to. So I take this very seriously, but uh, so forgive me when I say this, but it's gonna take more than this pandemic to wipe out New York City. You know, we came back after 9-11, we came back after Sandy, and we will come back after this. New York City doesn't go away. It is a capital of the world. It, is an, it holds a very important place in global commerce, and still kids graduating from college, they flock to New York. And what we're seeing is with these buyers that are coming in, there's, they still want to be in New York. They just want to be here for a cheaper price. With people who've signed contracts, you said only two people have walked away and left their deposits, but are they trying to renegotiate? Are they trying to get a price drop and are they being aggressive about it? So it really depends. Uh, one of the people in this case that left their money on the table were very um, aggressive about asking the seller for a significant discount. And the seller said no. And the buyer said, well, if you don't give it to me, I'm going to walk. And the seller said, okay, then I'll just stay here and use your money <laughs> and live in my apartment for the next couple of years for free because I don't need to, I don't need to move. I was just selling it. And I, am, I think it was a fair price. You know, he might have given him a smaller amount off, but the, the buyer got very aggressive. So what I've seen is renegotiations where there's a degree of reasonableness. For example, I'm buying in your building. One of the reasons I bought here is because of all the amenities. I swim every day. I use the gym every day. I love the fact that there's you know, a restaurant in the building, and I can't use that now. So what do you want to do for me? And in that case, I've seen sellers give a couple of months of free carrying charges, and everybody's happy, right? Um, I've seen a couple of sellers give a very small percentage off the price. Um, it really hasn't happened as much as you would think. And in new developments, it hasn't happened at all that I'm aware of because they all have 25% down and nobody's walking from 25% deposits. That's, that's a lot of money. 
in the resale market where there's 10% down, it's where we've seen people try and get a little bit more aggressive. But you know, 10% of whether it's a million dollars or it's $10 million, it's a lot of money to walk away from. So we try and make everybody happy. Is anyone lawyering up? Has it got nasty anywhere? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Where, where I've seen people try and lawyer up is where I don't think they're going to be, going to be successful, which is people who are in high-end rentals and they have decamped to their second or third homes and have realized that, oh, wow, I'm paying a lot of money in rent now in New York City and I'm not even there, so why should I pay my landlord? And I don't mean these are necessarily people who are struggling who have lost their job and have to make a choice between feeding their family or paying their rent. That's a whole different you know, circumstance. But trying to get out of these luxury leases, I've seen quite a bit of that, and I don't think that they will be successful because you've signed a lease. There's nothing in there that says um, if you move out because you can't occupy, I mean, you can occupy it, that, um, that you have the right to just not pay your rent. Speaking of developers, I mean, we have already seen some of them publicly come out with types of incentives and types of discounts. I'm thinking specifically of Xtel's One Manhattan Square. What do you think's coming next? Is it just prices, uh, prices being discounted? Like what kind of incentives could we see over the next few months? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, the, one of the interesting incentives I saw recently was um, a developer that offered to help pay down the mortgage rate for a potential buyer to get the deal to the finish line. So I thought that was pretty smart. Um, because it, it lowered the buyer's monthlies for the life of owning the apartment. So that was quite a significant gesture, and, and the deal did get done and closed. Um, other incentives, again, picking up monthlies, paying, of course, for the uh, tax, city and state transfer taxes, p picking up a mansion tax, potentially. Um, I mean, what really people want is... is a discount in the price or a discount in their carry, right? That's what that's what it often comes down to. Are there any incentives happening at Hudson Yards? Um, no, no. If, if someone wants to do a deal at Hudson Yards, we, we negotiate with them. No, there's no like across the board incentive there. Mm -mm. No wholesale? No, 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 no. <laughs> No. I mean, I read a story the other day about a different building that was potentially thinking about doing bulk sales at a discount. And we get a lot of calls from buyers who, this is the typical call. Hey, Pam, I have a client who has $100 million to spend. They would like to buy a group of apartments from a distressed developer. And I said, oh, how about from a regular developer, not a distressed developer? I said, what discount are they looking for? And they'll say, well, you know, it's got to be a really big discount or they're not interested. And I said, well, for a really big discount, um, the developer can sell those units sort of to anyone. So that's where you have to really match up the developer who might really need to declare their plan effective or need has a certain requirement they need to meet with their lender in the next two months. Uh, so you, you can play that game. But there's a lot of money out there looking for these big incentive deals. I haven't seen any of them happen yet. I, I think I will, but I haven't seen them yet. Do you think this might change contracts? I mean, have you seen it yet? Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I do see, um, I do see uh, some contracts where people are asking for the ability to, um, uh, to not follow through if something were to 
happen. I mean, nobody had a pandemic clause in their contract that I'm aware of. And the, the material adverse conditions clauses don't seem to be holding up for people. Um, and that's not to say that some attorneys out there won't try and use them, but it'll remain to be seen if any of them are, uh, are successful. So more things are being put in contracts that are being signed now, more clauses? I think some people are trying um, to get a clause that's put in there. For example, um, this building is not allowing me to move in right now. And if I can't move in by September 1st, I get to void the lease or I get to void the contract. Because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, unknowns that are happening. A lot of people who have children that need to go back to school in September, they're sort of at a crossroads of what, you know, can I buy this apartment assuming my children are back in school in September, but if they're not back in school in September, then maybe I want to stay in my uh, house in the Hamptons longer or rent, you know, a lot of it has to do with the rentals. The buyers are, tend to be more certain. Um, you know, sometimes we'll see somebody try and negotiate something crazy with the developer. I'll pay this price today, but if you sell this line to somebody else within the next six months for less money, I want you to meet my, I want you to, uh, you know, change my price. But surely now, with so little certain about, it changes every day, what the outlook is. Surely now sponsors, developers are a bit more willing to, to meet them or not? No, I mean, a couple are, but a lot of the big ones are not. They don't want to get into playing that game. I was on the phone with a developer today. We were trying to do a deal. This was somebody who we had a deal with and they walked away um, when the crisis hit and now they came back to the table and they're trying to come in at a much lower number. And there's really no reason for it. There's no proof to say that this lower number now that they want to pay, other than that's what they want to pay, is, is reasonable. Um, so the seller just has to decide, is there another buyer for that unit at what price? You know, where, where is he willing to, to bend? And we'll see what happens. But he said to me, look, I'm not doing that. Like, there's no way. Like, tell them that they're completely unrealistic and they're trying to take advantage. You know, they're overreaching. How about that? A lot of buyers are overreaching and that's what's stopping deals from happening. Have any of your brokers asked to pivot or considering pivoting to the suburbs, to other parts, you know, people who have been focused very much in the city now thinking, hey, I could make money selling elsewhere? I was talking to someone who doesn't happen to work for me, but always spends a good deal of his time um, across the country where he has another home. And he said spending that much time at this home over this pandemic made him realize that he should get his license there as well. And maybe he should um, just spend more time there. I think he's someone who was looking to retire in the next couple of years. And I think this might have pushed him to do it a little bit sooner. But instead of retire, just, you know, work there. I have a couple of my agents who are in Manhattan who have said I've spent a lot of time in the Hamptons. Maybe I would reconsider trying to sell here instead. But then they all give it up. They all come back. So I, I haven't, I don't think it won't ever happen. It's likely that we'll have a few people, but not yet. 
Pam, thank you so much uh, for joining us. It's been a real pleasure to chat with you. Always a pleasure, and thank you so much for having me. And I hope you stay safe, and uh, I hope we all get to uh, <laughs> see each other in person one of these days soon. <laughs>